Are you looking for freedom? Freedom from the daily grind and hustle? Or just finding a way to live the life you always wanted? Then join us on the Investing for Freedom podcast. Our host, Mike Ayala, will help you discover new ways to find freedom with tips, insights, and interviews. You'll learn the exact systems he's used to travel the world and live his best life. True success and happiness are all about freedom. And here's your roadmap on how to find freedom on your own terms. Welcome to the Investing for Freedom podcast. Here's your host, Mike Ayala. Thank you for joining me on the Investing for Freedom podcast. Today, I've got a special guest who I have a lot of esteem and respect for, um, Dr. Tom Burns in the house with us. And I'm just super excited for this episode. Um, You know, he's got a new book out and uh, everybody that I've ever met that knows Dr. Tom just has so many amazing things to say. He's one of the most genuine people in the world. And so I'm really excited to just kind of pull back the curtain and see what drives him and, and also just get into some of his stories because he's done amazing things. So Dr. Tom, thanks for being with us. Thanks, Mike. Glad to be here. Thanks for letting me into your beautiful studio here. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. So we're uh, obviously in Lake Tahoe and uh, man, just having an amazing time. We're at the Go Abundance event and just a great time. Great people. It's yeah. Great. You can't beat hanging around with successful people moving forward. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you taking some time out of your afternoon. It's going to be fun. So let's jump into the question. So who's had the greatest impact on your life? You know, um, probably, you know, I want to say my dad, to be honest with you, just because he was a loving father. He was always there for us. He was a man that traveled around, but always made sure he had time for us. Mm-hmm. I think that probably really translated into my life because the most important thing for me is spending time with my kids. From a business standpoint, um, I'd, I'd really think Robert Kiyosaki has been a been a help for me and kind of a motivator. That's so cool. There's a lot of us that have that uh, kind of common thread with uh, Mr. Kiyosaki, yeah. so that's pretty cool. We'll probably circle back and talk about how you two met because you, you were actually pivotal in uh, in in the book launch. I, I, I did have a little part of that. Yeah, so we'll we'll circle back on that. If you could narrow it down to one thing that has had the greatest impact on your success, what do you think that would be? I think it's. It's the, I think it's the ability to not quit. I just kind of kept, you know, as the old football coach said, you know, keep my head down, keep your knees up and keep moving forward. So been knocked down a few times, not too bad. I think I tend to forget the uh, bad times and only remember the good ones. Yeah. So I think just persistence is, is a, it's a great tool. I love that. Persistence is a great tool, you know, and I, I, I like that about you. I think you can learn a lot just by watching people and, you know, we were just having lunch and you were telling a story, which we don't need to get into the details about it. But, you know, you've, you've, you had this super challenging setback recently and the way you're handling that and taking it with strides, like, I'm just super impressed. So, you know, like, yeah, I wouldn't be impressed. Just what can you do about it? You know, you can't change the past. What's that quote to live in the past is to be depressed, to live in the future is anxious and to live in the present is to be at peace. So I just want to stay that way. That's so good. I mean, we could just end the podcast right there. Yeah, okay. like, <laughs> and let's go skiing. Yeah, perfect. What was your greatest setback and what did it teach you? Um, probably from a financial standpoint, uh, uh, 2008 was, it was a little trying. I was obviously been in the real estate business for a long time. And back then I had, uh, had a lot of debt out, had a lot of, uh, sort of bridge debt, some, a lot of personally guaranteed stuff at, at rates that people would would croak today, eighteen percent mm-hmm. loans, and uh, most of the stuff that was going to be bringing in the revenue to pay that went flat and wasn't working, and so I ended up having to go to various banks, get some lines of credit, and paid. I paid everybody off, every investor plus interest, and so that was uh, it was a setback, but it was a good good lesson too. Wow. You know, and that that's one of the reasons, um, again, just back to go abundance, you know, we've got a, a little groups that we get into called pods and, and you pop into our pod every once in a while and, bet. and show up on the calls. And I just so appreciate, um, I, I so appreciate the wisdom of the guys that have been through like a 2008. Yeah. Cause you know, I mean, a lot of us, I, I went through 2008, but I wasn't heavy in real estate. And it was just my own portfolio at that point in time. Right. I had some serious business challenges, but not so much on the real estate front. So I, I feel like, you know, when I have people like you in my life, I'm, I'm just so appreciative because, um, you know, you don't talk about it a lot, but when we hear these kind of answers, seeing you today, which we'll get into a little bit of, you know, what you've done, but I would have never expected that from you in 2008, but it's totally shaped the way that you've changed and come back around. Yeah, it really is. I mean, you, it, I mean, it goes without saying you learn from your mistakes and, um, you know, that's, yeah, it shapes, shapes you going forward. That's for sure. <laughs> you, you can see those scars, right? Absolutely. Yeah. 
What's the piece of advice you find yourself sharing with people the most? I always tell it's the, it's the same thing I share with other people. I share with my kids, always give a hundred percent, whether you're taking out the trash, you're doing a big real estate deal or starting a business, always give your best. That way you don't have to, you don't have to strive for perfection. You strive for excellence, always giving your best. And then I have to add just, just to be honest, be, be clear and honest because it's too hard to remember what you said if you're not telling the truth. It's so much easier to be honest. It's cleansing to tell people when you did something wrong or, or, or you did something that maybe you shouldn't have done. It just works out better. Life, life gets a lot easier, and, and it keeps your consistency. Wow. That's, that's amazing. Such good advice. Well, I kind of want to start. We'll obviously go backwards, but I want to start with um, you recently wrote a book. I did. Yeah. Let, let's talk about that a little bit. Oh, I'd love to. Yeah. So it's called Why Doctors Don't Get Rich. Yes. It? I nailed it. Yeah. Not bad. <laughs> and the subtitle is How You Can Create Freedom Through Passive Income Investing. Cool. So Dr. Tom knows a little bit about this because he's actually a doctor. That's right. Um, and you've done a lot of real estate investing. So let's, let's begin with the end in mind. So you wrote this book. What, what, what drove you to write that book? To, to be real honest with you, um, my friend Robert Kiyosaki said, Tom, you have a story. You ought to write a book. Wow. So, and that's an, that's an honest answer. And so most of us feel like we have a book in us Yeah. and I had always wanted to do it. So that was just enough of a trigger to say, okay. So I started writing the book and decided I was going to write it all myself mm. rather than using the leverage of a ghostwriter or somebody. And <clears throat> because that part of my voice is a little rough today. You want some water? No, I'm good. Um, through the process of writing the book and doing the research for it as well, I've, I found sort of found the problem that was deeper than I thought it was, uh, mostly in medicine, but in, in professionals and sort of W-2 working people mm -hmm. in general. A lot of people aren't happy with their jobs. Everybody thinks doctors are happy, mm -hmm. um, and, and they're not all happy. So the mission came, it became to to sort of relieve the pressure off of doctors, in, in doctors as far as the book title assumes, and then professionals, anybody that sort of feels trapped in their life. You know, we can make a lot of money and still not be happy. Mm. And so that, that was the mission. And so I, I, that, that's why I started the book and then, you know, sort of, but by the time it finished, it sort of became a mission. Wow. So this book is, and you kind of said this already, but it's not just for doctors. It would apply to engineers, attorneys. It's yeah, it's, it's, it's sort of life and financial principles. Cool. The whole for, you know, it's not really a how to book, but you know, the whole first part's about how to think about life, money, things like that. And so you can just basically insert, I wrote it to doctors for everybody. So you can just insert your profession or job in there where it says doctor and, and the principles are timeless. I like that. Two doctors for everybody. Well, let's go backwards. Um, and you can take me wherever you want to go, but, um, how, how, how'd you become Dr. Tom Burns? I mean, just give me your backstory. Sure. And... You bet. So I grew in take going way back. I was an athlete when I was younger and I was pretty good. I was really good in some things, but pretty good and really good doesn't pay the bills. Mm. So, I knew that wasn't going to be a profession. So I went into orthopedic surgery and sports medicine because I like being around athletes. And so I've done that for the last 30 years. I, uh, you know, I do a lot with the United States ski team, yeah. as we talked about earlier. And so that was, that was fun. And that's how I became a doctor. I went to medical school, did my residency, and it was in my residency where sort of the light bulb went on for what you and I are talking about today. Mm. And what was that light bulb? Well, I was so... You know, we get trained, it's like in a, you, you go to school and then you get trained in an apprenticeship program. Mm. Basically, you're, you're working with somebody older than you or, or even farther along. And at some point I had, there were doctors, the people that I was supposed to emulate when I was, you know, for the next 40 years, my life, this is what it's going to be like. Mm. These guys were unhappy. They were on their third marriages. They were in the hospital at eight, nine, 10 o'clock at night mm. and complaining all the time about how they didn't have control over their, mm. over their lives though they made a lot of money. And it was back then that I decided that I didn't necessarily want their money if I had to have their life. Mm -hmm. So I figured there had to be something else. I had zero financial training. And so I just started looking. I read things. I went to free seminars and look, looked at the stock market, realized that wasn't for me too fast, needed to really study anything you want to get good at. You need to study. And I just yeah. wasn't excited about that thought about being an administration in the medical world. That was a dead end. I found out that out quickly because I'm relatively unemployable. So I found real estate that it moved slowly. I could do it part-time or full-time. I could do it on off hours. I could use partners if I needed to. It seemed like it fit. Mm -hmm. So that's where I started. 
And it just started once I once I finished my training. Actually, I finished my training and didn't just jump in because, you know, I was blessed with a good job and I didn't want my family suffering. I had two children at the time when I, or I, I had one young child and one that was about to be my second child. And I decided that I didn't want to make them suffer mm -hmm. for my stupidity or my mistakes. Yeah. So I, I did make sure I, I kind of paid some things off and, and, and wasn't going to make them take risks with me. Then I went out and I went out and bought something. Just went out. I figured I'd learn the best by doing it. So I bought something. What was your first deal? It was a student condominium on the West campus at university of Texas. Wow. Yeah. So you skipped the, the single family thing and well, it was just one unit. Though. Oh, okay. Got one it. One unit. Yeah. Just, I bought one condo. And got it. Like I started making cash flow. My whole, the whole plan was for me to make, I wanted money or income that was going to come in that wasn't correlated with medicine. I liked it. I wanted it to come in from somewhere else. We would call that passive income or, or alternative income. Now I didn't really know the term passive income at the time, but it started happening. And you know, it's a little bit addicting. You get a little bit of money. Yeah. So, uh, and so I bought more and then I bought more and I bought more and I got, I got pretty good at that little market. Mm. And what happens when you get, when you get reasonably good at a market, people start noticing. So they start bringing you deals. People come in and start wanting to partner. Yeah. And that's what happened. I had a pretty large portfolio there and then other partners came on and that branched out into other things. And I sort of, I sort of reached a plateau where I was, you know, I was reading what I could. I was going to a seminar or two and, uh, and then, well, and then, and then I figured I needed, I needed to learn some more. And so I finally went to somebody, I went to a friend of mine, he was a real estate developer and we had taken vacations together and I knew he was successful. And I said, look, I really like what you do. Do you mind teaching me? And he said, sure. So I worked for him for, for a year and a half for free, um, as a full-time orthopedic surgeon, we were doing land deals, build the suits, looking for land for banks, looking for, strangely enough, looking for land to build a hospital. Hmm. So I was talking to brokers and getting land prices and doing things like that. And through that process, uh, we got to where we were working, working well together and, uh, we built a, a rather large medical complex together. So kind of from, I was just basically asking him for some help. And then years later, we still own that complex today. Wow. That's pretty amazing. So on that note, what, what advice do you have? And there's people on both sides of this, but what advice I love the way that it kind of, it sounds like it kind of organically happened yeah. for you. I mean, nowadays there's like, there's, you know, we met at a seminar teaching yeah. people how to syndicate. Exactly. Right? Um, so nowadays there's, you know, there's, there's all walks, but it sounded like it happened organically for you. So what advice do you have for people wanting to partner, meaning invest with operators? To, like in a syndicate, like yeah, sure. passively. Well, so. And there's a couple ways to go about. It. There's the purely hands-off method, and you know, I always encourage people to try to try to know who you're investing with, mm -hmm. whether it's your financial planner or a sponsor that you're going to give your money. Try to know who they are, and if you can, try to get a little little bit of education to find out what they're doing and why they're doing it. You don't have to become an expert, but you sure. have to. It, it helps for you to understand what they're doing. Mm -hmm. A lot of people will say, and you've you know, I've heard these words a lot, is that I invest with the person rather than the deal. Yeah. And you know, quite honestly, I do the same thing. Sure. Although I'll, you know, I'll tend to vet the yeah. merits of the deal itself. So get to know that person. Um, there's a lot of shiny pennies out there. I wouldn't pick up every one that you see. Yeah. Um, <laughs> That's good. Uh, sometimes maybe pick pick a deal that you might have you might have invested in and watch how it does. Yeah. So and one of the easiest things is if you've got friends, people that you trust, and they say, look, I have, I have invested with so-and-so for many years. It's really been well. They've got a good track record. They've treated me right. That's one of your best endorsements. Yeah. And that's, that's sage advice right there. Cause I mean, whether you're looking for a plumber or whether you're looking for an electrician or, you know, yeah. a syndicator, talk to somebody that's done it with them. Absolutely. Like that, that's a, that's a great point. Um, you know, and on the note, like we, we talked about this a little bit, but we met actually through the real estate guys at a syndication event. Yeah. We were just reminiscing about this at lunch and um, that there's a lot of people that go to that event that literally just want to place capital and they're there wanting to understand the syndication process, but also meet operators. Right. Which right. I think is kind of, it just, it's the next level of what you're talking about, about vetting people. You bet. Like you go, there's literally investors that go through this two day training just to understand what syndication is so they can like have some wisdom around placing their money. Exactly. And it's great training and it get, get, it helps you 
helps you know what you don't know because mm-hmm. we don't all know what we don't know. So yeah. that that that's a that particular event's curated so that it touches everything that you might want to know about a syndication or an operator and really gives you some insight in what you need to look for. Yeah. And outside of a few questions that I'm gonna ask you later about family and values and all that, yeah. this might be the most important thing coming from you because just the way you operate in integrity and everything else, I think this question is going to be, um, the answer to this will probably be super valuable, but for people that want to take on outside capital, can you give us some advice around that? You bet. You bet. Um, and I will say that I think right now is that right now is the easiest time to raise money. That's a good thing. Mm-hmm. You can get, I mean, people are dying. They're throwing money at people because there's less deals than there is money. But if you're, you know, if you're going to take somebody's money, I told an investor once he was a, he was a young doctor and this was his first investment that he made with us. And I told him, and this is an honest assessment. I said, I love, I love meeting people and taking things out. I said, and tell them about what's going on. But as soon as I get your money, I get, I always get that little bit of nervousness. Mm. It's like standing on the cliff right before you jump. Right. Um, Because I don't mind. I I can tell you, I'm, I can, I can tell you how to lose my money because I've done it before. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I don't want to lose your money. It, yeah. It's a whole different thing. So you need to treat the other person's money uh, more preciously than you treat your own mm-hmm. because it's a, it's a, it's an honor to have somebody else's money. It's an honor to have their trust. Mm-hmm. And so you want to earn that trust, keep that trust, and you want them to succeed because if they do, you will. So, yeah. you know, respect, respect the fact that it's their money and you're a steward of their money. And be honest, you know, help be transparent, give them information because people get nervous. We don't, we don't realize that when we take somebody's money, they're wondering what's going on. You know, Mm -hmm. is that person going off to Belize with my money or is that Mm -hmm. person really being a good steward? So communicate with them Mm -hmm. and be there when they ask questions. I think it was Russ Gray that I heard say one time that if it's good to be scared about taking people's money. Should be. Um, Yeah. And and exactly. I, I love that. So. I love the way you framed all that too. It's, I think it's super important and it's a, it's a next level. Another observation I had, and I'd love to get your thoughts on this. So, you know, a lot of us and probably a lot of my listeners, just like you started out, I mean, we start out buying, you're a doctor. I was, a, I owned a plumbing and heating company. We've got people that are listening that are engineers or they're cooks or whatever. I don't know what they are. Yeah. Um, what happens is I think real estate is a natural evolution for passive income. Right. And it's a, you know, it's something that everybody I think can figure out and get their hand around. It's hard to find deals today, but that's another conversation. Um, But what I found is like, I started out, you know, Kara and I investing in real estate. Um, We had single families, we had um, some mobile home parks and all that. Um, But what I quickly realized when I sold my business, this little passive investment portfolio that I had, I wanted to leave that and I wanted to keep moving forward thinking, that I was going to continue to invest passively. But the minute that we start taking on investors and building out an investment portfolio and all that, it's no longer passive. Mm. We're now building out a business. Right. And I've seen so many people not understand the shift that they're about to make. They might've been a great passive. Well, it's not fully passive either, but um, you know, maybe they have one or two or 10 single families and, and maybe they have it, you know, a property management company managing it. And so it's somewhat passive, but then all of a sudden they decide to go build out this real estate empire. And so many times I've said, Hey, just be careful. There's no right or wrong in this, but you're, you're changing from a real estate portfolio to an investment company. You're literally yeah. forming a business. So what's right. your thoughts on that? Uh, I agree. It's a, it's again, more responsibility, uh, kind of a sacred responsibility. And and some people toss that off, you know, just because it's so easy to take money now, but I, I view it as sacred. And so You've got to you've got to try to try to learn to put systems in place. Communication helps everything. I can just tell you if you communicate, even when you make mistakes, communicate your, your the good things you do, the bad things you do. Everything's going to work out. It That's does good. typically, um, but it is a different thing that rather than just to watch your portfolio because you're now responsible for other people's money and you and and you're typically responsible for the investment. Mm. So you need to so you're pulling on. You're pulling on different reins now. You know you're you're hiring the managers, you're hiring the vendors if you need them, and you're doing the financing. So there's there's a lot of parts to it. As basically as you said, it's a business that has multiple moving parts. It's it needs so systems. Good. Yeah, I love it. Um. So just having gotten to know you and just being around you, um, what 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 really drives you? I got you know. There's a lot of stuff, um, but I boiled it down. So I'm a, I'm a big fan. I'm a big fan of, 
Big fan of always being being better the next day than I was today. That's the Matthew McConaughey's quote is one of my favorites. The man I want to admire is the man that I am in the future, the man I am 10 years from now. And that really stuck with me, but I've sort of had that thought before. And so I'm always trying to learn. I was trying to do something different. And so I actually did a seminar recently. It was a core values. It was, it was two days of just trying to figure out my core values. Mm-hmm. And they were, they were adventure, growth, and connection. So those things drive me. So I'm sitting in Lake Tahoe. That hits one of them there. Connection is another one. And then growth. Well, I'm, in a, I'm in a conference where I'm trying to grow, you know, spiritually, relationships, and financially. So those are the things that drive me and they get me excited. I love that. And the, the, the growth part of that, it's, it's really inspiring for me to watch um, you and guys like you um, that, I mean, you're, you're super successful in your own world. I mean, you've, and I'm not saying this passively, but you wrote the book I mean, <laughs> literally, and there's so much wisdom in there. I mean, there's thousands and thousands and thousands of doctors and, and high net worth people that need the wisdom that's in that book. And so, you know, you've, you've built an amazing family. I, I know being around you that your family is number one. Oh, yeah. Um, so by all accounts, I mean, you've, you've, you've done the thing and I, I love watching the, you know, I, every, there's so many places that I've been where, where I'm going to grow mm-hmm. and I see you there and you're continuing to grow. And I, it's obvious that that's a value of yours, but I'm, I'm so inspired by that because well, it never ends. Well, hopefully by the time you get to wherever that is, you'll be looking at something else. You know, right. we've always got to, I think if we don't keep growing, I think we stagnate and die. You know, there's a quote out there for that somewhere, but if I, if I don't have something to look forward to, to, to get better at, to grow, whether it's physically, mentally related, whatever garden I'm thinking about, then, then I just kind of feel like I'm sitting around taking up space mm, and you know, we're only here once. Yeah. I love it. I love the way you live your life. I just want to say that to you. Thank you. Yeah. It's inspiring. Um, random question just cause I'm thinking about it. Sure. If you had to pick, you could only read one book, what would it be? Ooh. Um, wow. Oh, there's so many. I mean, I come up with a good answer here. Uh, it's certainly, you know, all the money books, you can always read money books, you know, it's, it, you know, maybe, maybe one of those deep books by Eckhart Tolle, but that's not true either. Um, I don't have a good straight a answer one. for yeah. you. It's something it, that's going to make me, and I don't have the title and I'm sure I've read it, whatever it is, but it's not coming to me, but anybody that's going to, anything that's going to make me slow down and think mm-hmm. and realize what the real important things are in life. Yeah. You know, I, I've always tried to run with, I sort of have a priority in life. It's, it's God, family, fun work, you know, so I want to have those things in order. So anything that helps reinforce that and helps me be better at, at, at what really matters, then I want to read it. Yeah. It's really hard to narrow it down to one book. Um, you know, I've been asked the same question so many times. And one that really sticks out to me is The Richest Man in Babylon. Yeah. I don't know if you've ever read that, but, I have. and the reason why I like that, I mean, you said it, it's, it's a money book. It's a money principles book, if you will. But the thing that's sticking out to me is that phrase in there when, when he talks about, there's, it's just a bunch of stories about people becoming better and it's framed through money, but usually it's integrity conversations. It's, Absolutely. It's growth things. And there's that phrase in there. In one of the stories, the guy um, gets asked over and over, do you have the heart of a slave or a heart of a free man? And that's like such a principle to me because, you know, even though it's based in money, it's, it's so much bigger than that. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. There's, you know, there's, there's so many ways we can grow, you know, and, and sometimes when folks are younger, you know, money, money's an important thing. It's a very important thing as far as success in life goes. We need it to eat. And, and as Zig Ziglar says, it's right up there with oxygen as far as importance, but there's so many other places to grow. And, and I always try to impress on the, on the, somewhat younger ones that have got that sort of drive in them yeah. that, that it's not all about the, the number that you see on your bank account. Yeah. You know, and that's such an interesting point. And this is another lesson that I've watched just, um, these are great conversations because a lot of times we don't, I guess, appreciate, um, people enough, but I've watched and learned a lot from you just in, you know, we haven't spent a ton of time together, but you're such a giving person. Thanks. Um, just even you're, you're the doc for the U S ski team or one of the docs. I don't know how that works. But, um, every time I talk to you, I learn a little bit more about the, you know, just how charitable you are. And so back to the money thing. Um, yeah, money is extremely important, but some of the most successful people that I've met in the world are the most generous too. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, it's what's that premise. If you, if you want something for it, give it first, mm, you know? So, so yeah, the, 
And I think that probably got them to where they are. That spirit of generosity and abundance gets you farther than a spirit of, of you know, whatever the opposite is. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I, I think, um, you know, when you try to hold on to something too tight, whether yeah. it's another human or or money or anything else, I mean, it, it tries to run from yeah, you. It's kind of away. crazy. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I love that perspective. So adventure, connection, and growth. That's, yeah. that's really cool. I appreciate that. So let's talk about Robert Kiyosaki a little bit. Sure. I mean, when when I saw Robert grab you and I don't even remember what event this was, but he, he brought you up next to him and, and, and he actually said that he owes a lot of the su success of rich dad, poor dad to you. He does. And I, he gives me more credit than it's worth. Yeah. That was at a, that was at a party in new Orleans. I was calmly talking to somebody else. I had no <laughs> idea he was going to rip me to the front of the room. But so the story goes that, um, I was years ago, I was, I was out doing errands. I was just running errands and I went to get my car washed and I went in and paid my bill and back on the back corner was a handwritten sign that said books for sale and, and just this little stack of lonely purple and gold books were back there, but it had a kind of an interesting title. It said, Rich Dad, I could see it from where I was. And I said, let me see that. And, um, you know, I was reading, voracious reader, was then, still am now, and was reading those kind of books. This was back, you know, 1997 or so. I said, put one of those on my bill too. So I just was going to go along with the stack of all the books I was going to read one day, right? And uh, my family was gone. They were up in Dallas visiting visiting my wife's parents. And so I was there all by myself. So I did whatever errands I was going to do and watched a bad movie or something. And at 1130 at night, I had, I had previously just tossed that book on my desk and went back past my office on the way to bed and picked up that book and kind of did one of those things to see what I was going to read one day. And... Uh, yeah, I kind of enjoyed the first few words. I read a page or two and kind of leaned against the desk and read some more. And about four hours later, the book was finished. Wow. And uh, I called a friend of mine and said, I just read the best book I've ever read. And so I gave it to him about a week. He, he was like, yeah, sure. And uh, gave it to him about a week later. He goes, wow, you're right. So we called. There was one to find out who this person was. We called the publisher, the number on the inside of the book to call the publisher. Well, person on the other end of the line was Robert Kiyosaki. <laughs> he had self-published the book and we said, Hey, we like, you know, I like these books. He said he had published a thousand books and sent two dozen to, uh, to Austin, to his buddy who owned a, who owned a car wash. Well, the next day I had gone back and bought all the rest of the books. Wow. So, um, we said, how many he got? He goes, well, a thousand minus two dozen. I hadn't sold <laughs> any yet. So anyway, we went out to visit him, got to know him. He truly handed he was pulling books out of his trunk and giving them to me when we left. And I said, Hey man, I don't want to take all your books. He goes, don't worry. Nobody's buying them anyway. Wow. It's an understatement. Right. So, um, anyway, we got to know each other and you know, he, he'd come to Austin. I brought him to Austin to talk to some people and he was kind of an unknown fellow at the time. And we, we got him connected with the Amway organization. Okay. And so he's, so all of a sudden he's speaking to 50,000 people. They're endorsing the book. He sells enough books that Oprah notices. Wow. And, He'll tell you that is that he was unknown until the day he was on Oprah's show, and then he was famous after that. Wow, it's pretty amazing. I love the way he honors you too. Yeah, he's, um, you know, he's a, he's a he's a loyal guy. He's a consummate teacher. The guy doesn't have to do a thing. He's got plenty of money. Yeah. He loves to teach. Even if it was a conversation like this, he'd be going off on the economy and trying to teach. Yeah. So he's he is what he is what he looks like on the surface as yeah. a, a teacher and. Um, uh, and he's very kind. I mean, he wrote the book. All I did was read it. So I just happened to be the first guy to buy one. So yeah. he gives me more credit than I deserve. Yeah, that's <laughs> awesome. Did, did he write the forward to your book? He did. Yeah. He did. That's well, cool. it was his idea to write the book. Yeah. So you're so, like, you have to write the forward. Yeah. No, he said, all right. He said, why don't you write this? He goes, I'll write the forward. Oh, so so uh, it was very kind of him. He wrote a very nice forward. That's cool. You know, I think if there's any one person that has had you know, the greatest impact in shaping the way I think it's probably his teachings and writings. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's pretty timeless. It was a little controversial at times and he may be a little controversial at times, but right. he's a f fabulous communicator truly. And his mm -hmm. books, uh, it's just a, a simple book, you know, and it's not a, and I kind of tried to model my book that way that it's not a how book. It's mm -hmm. not, you know, here's how you flip a house. Here's how you buy an apartment complex. Cause those are everywhere. Yeah. And, it, but it's, you know, that, that'll, give a man a fish or teach a man mm -hmm. to fish, you teach somebody to think, or if yeah. you help them change their thought process, that goes with them for the rest of their life and can make them as wealthy as they, as they wish to be. Yeah. I think what you just said is probably one of the most valuable 
lessons that we can continue to, you know, just ponder and, and, and change and, and model in our lives. And, you know, I've, I've said this often, but like, who do I have to become in order to get in a different, a bigger room or, you know, a lot of, a lot of times people talk about, you know, the average of the five people you spend the most right. time with, right. Which I agree with that a hundred percent. I mean, uh, my wife just put a post up this morning that, you know, she said, show me your friends and, and I'll tell you, and I'll show you your future. Right. And I like so I that. love, I love the, I fully buy into the, you know, you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. But the question I've been pondering lately is like, if I'm looking for five new friends, let's say, or I want to level up the people that I'm around, who do I have to become in order for them to let me into their world as well? Right. That's right. But what is it before you, you know, before you, you, before you have something, you have to, you have to be, you know, be, do and have, yeah. uh, yeah. And, and it's who you are all the time. And genuinely it, it comes out, yeah. it seeps out of your pores and, you know, you're a, you're a successful guy and you're somebody, and I've always liked to, to be around and that's why we're in the same space, you know, because we're with people that, that really, that you would think a, a successful group, this is a successful group that we're here this weekend with, yeah. but they're a generous group. We just gave a whole lot of money to some charities yeah. just, and, and it's a generous group. It's a giving group. Everybody wants to help somebody move forward. I think as you keep doing that, you you learn and you model who you mm -hmm. can be, mm -hmm. you know, cause there's, there's traits you have that I want to, I want to have and improve. And there's traits that I might have mm -hmm. that you might want to, and somebody else we see. So life is a lot about modeling, yeah. about seeing who you, who you admire, who yeah. impresses you and who you want to be like, well then model what they do. Yeah. I'm actually working with a coach right now. And part of this process is like, we're, it, I'm doing some deep work with him, stuff I've never even done, just going back to childhood. But anyway, he at the beginning, he started talking about like what, what we're going to have at the end of this process is like designing Mike's avatar. Mm. Like what's the best version of Mike look like? And I had no concept of what the heck that even meant when we first started working on this. But what I love about what you just said is, you know, when we come to places like this and we get in bigger rooms and you're you're picking up little pieces of things you want to model in different people, I see that like you're, you're creating the best avatar version of yourself, right? taking little bits and pieces of, of, you know, wisdom from this guy. And I love the way that that guy parents. And I love the way that the guy that that guy treats his wife. And I, I love the way you put that into perspective. Yeah, you for put me. it all together and it's you, it's, yeah. you know, it's not, it's like we had a, we had a call today with somebody that said, none of the, none of the information in my book is, is original, but it's all been packaged differently. Mm -hmm. Same thing. You might be taking a trait that you really admire. You put it all together in your way and it's you. Yeah. And we do grow for that. We do grow with that. And, and I think people feel when you're, when you're trying to always be at your best, mm -hmm. we're trying to become your best, mm -hmm. which, which never ends. Right? Right, right. We're always, we're always trying to become better than we are. And I think that, I think people feel that. Yeah. And, and that's what, that's what helps you get in those bigger rooms. It just happens. Um, I think it happens naturally. Yeah. I love that. And you were saying this a little bit before when we started kind of talking about this, um, just, I guess, you know, just always looking at becoming the best version of yourself. I just love, I, I love, I love the way you pulled that together. Yeah. It's that, that's an important one to me. I hated yeah. to steal from Matthew McConaughey, but he says it better than I do. Nice. I like With it. A better accent. I love it. That's good stuff. So what, um, when, so you went through this values process, adventure, connection, growth. Yeah. How do you keep, you're, you're balancing a lot of stuff. So just from a practical perspective, I mean, you're still a doc. Yep. Um, you volunteer for the ski team. You do yeah. a lot of other volunteering, you're mentoring, you're coaching, you've wrote a book, you're, you're a successful real estate investor. How do you balance all that? Uh, it's, uh, just, uh, unmedicated attention deficit disorders. I think what it is. <laughs> um, but you know, you know, it's, it's, I would say time management, but it's more priorities mm -hmm. and, uh, priorities and efficiency. And I would say leverage, but I'm not really that great at leveraging yet. I'm mm -hmm. learning that myself. So it's you, you find time for the things that matter. And, you know, if you, if you keep that, those four that I mentioned before, if you keep God, family, fun, and, and work kind of in their, in their proper place, uh, they'll, they'll always, you'll always find time for the important things. And so, um, I, I, I just, I always got up a little earlier than everybody else and sometimes stayed up a little later. I'm getting better at trying to get some rest now, but that's, I think it's just, I think I balance them because I like them all. Mm -hmm. I enjoy, I'm not trying to escape from anything. Yeah. I'm just trying to get the most that I can out of each thing. And, and when the time comes that it's not giving me the satisfaction or the growth that I want, I'll, 
I'll go ahead and sunset that thing and look for something new. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about your business. Um, you, so even just back to the, you know, you're, you're definitely not a passive real estate investor. Right, no. I mean, um, so why don't we talk a little bit about, uh, cause you guys are builders. Right. Um, do you, do you buy existing buildings too? Or we, we would, and we have in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just that at least with our metrics, we haven't, we haven't found anything in the last three and a half years that we really wanted to buy. And I know that stuff's out there and we might've missed a deal or two, but it just didn't fit our, our metrics. We have, you know, we have our, we have a certain way of underwriting things. And my partner and I were, we kind of grew, we grew, we grew by fire in 2008 and nine. We had, we had 16 acres of land and we, we were developing our first apartment complex. And so that's, and that was, that's another story in and of, its, of itself, but that's where we kind of cut our teeth on the development. We continued to look at other things and did buy, but as things moved on, as the market matured, uh, particularly the value add market matured, we found that it was a little bit more of a blue ocean, a little calmer area for us to go to stick with development, which we had a fairly long track record with. Mm-hmm. We know we can build our value. Yeah, uh, we have, We've got the metrics and we've got the teams to do it. So w- rather than being part of 100 people that are looking at one apartment complex, the, the deals do, they come to us. It doesn't mean they're all good deals, sure. but the deals are coming our way. Yeah. And so... And most of it's sort of quasi off market and off market doesn't always mean it's a good price or a good deal, but okay. they come to us. So it just, it looked, it's just our skill set worked better there. You know, cool. When things turn around, when things change, we know what a good deal looks like and we're yeah. ready to jump on that. You know, I love, there's, there's three people that I can think of that I respect a lot. Um, Ken McElroy is another one. Oh yeah. And I love, I love watching, I love watching you guys just, you know, roll with the cycles. And I, I, I don't know that, um, well, a lot of people are not structured to do it, number one, but I love that you guys um, have built out the team. And so I guess my question here is, how and why did you pick your partner? Ah, that's okay. So the one I told you, I have two partners, two partners that I could turn my checkbook and my family over to, and I'd be in, I'd be happy. I mean, wow. I know I'd be safe. So wow. the first one was the one I asked, you know, will you teach me your stuff? And we're still partners today, but he's sort of, he's kind of made his money and he's, he's, He's doing his thing. We'd still talk every week, but you know he's not doing new projects. But the the current partner uh, actually <laughs> relates back. So I was speaking for Robert Kiyosaki back in two thousand one. Oh, wow. So I'm on stage, and he says, "This is Tom Burns. He's from Austin, Texas." And uh, I thought, you know, I, I did my thing, whatever I did on stage. And then uh, at the break, this uh, this young guy and his this guy and his his fiance come up and said, "Hey, we're we're so and so. We live in the Bay Area. We're in." tech and sales and we're moving to Austin. We're getting into real estate. We, you know, since we just met you here or since we just saw you on stage, will you be our contact in Austin? Mm. I said, sure. So he sent his wife out to first look at my stuff. And, you know, you know, we may have, we may have some nice, pretty looking apartment complexes now, but what was it that one of our speakers said? We all, we all start, we're all beginners at some point, yeah, yeah. you know, well, and my stuff wasn't that pretty. And, uh, uh, it was the, the checks that came off of them were pretty. But anyway, she came and looked at my stuff. She called it back. She said, his stuff's not that pretty. <laughs> anyway, they came to town. We got to know each other. And, you know, I'm sort of slow to take on partners because I want to, you know, want to make sure it's a, it's right for, for everybody or for both of us. And we sort of dated, as I say, for about seven years. Mm-hmm. I operated on his shoulder once. I really wanted to make sure what he was like. Um, and that's when we got together. So we started we started back in... Uh, probably about two, th- well, about two thousand eight. That wow. that was one of our first projects. Was that apartment complex we built that That's began cool. in two thousand nine? Uh, I think it was Russ Gray that said, you know, if two partners have the same strength, one of them's not needed. Yeah. Do Do you guys have different roles and skill sets? Or? Yeah, we do. Um, uh, kind of, kind of both. He, well, he's he's probably a little more visionary than I am. Okay. Um, I'm more of a people guy, and 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 then as far as the implementer part, he is more implementer than me. Uh, and, and so he runs the operations. Okay. In fact, we had a nice talk about the fact that I'm really crummy at operations. That's nice. what I think. So, yeah. uh, so we've got, we've got things kind of parsed out to where our strengths are and then hired out the rest of it. So, man, that's so important. And, you know, there was a little bit of like traction EOS talk there, I guess, and, you know, vision and integrator. And I wish, and I, I don't have a lot of regrets, but, um, you know, a lot of my issues that I experienced early on and, 
the first business that I started in 2004 and along the way in multiple businesses, um, a lot of the issues, once I figured out traction and, and the concept of my core strengths and the fact that I'm a visionary and what I'm good at and what I'm not good at, I think so many people try to just do everything. And, yeah. and, and there, I think we've been taught this too. Like, I'd love to get your two cents on this, but for a long time, I think even in leadership and business and, and, and growth, we were, we were taught to work on our weaknesses. Right. And I, I'm kind of of the school of thought, like, I think once you figure out what you're really good at and just kind of learn to stay in your lane and surround yourself with people that are good at what you're not good at, that's right. when like things really change for me. It is. And, you know, I think your listeners might think, oh, we've had this all along. We've, we've had this down forever. You know, I was, you got to realize I was trained as a doctor and doctors are, you know, nobody does it better. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. So it took some, took some time to get that thought process. And it took time for me to realize that I shouldn't work on my weaknesses. I ought to stick with my strengths, get somebody else to do the stuff I'm not good at. So it, it is growth. And it's mm -hmm. nice for people to know that you're not just born with that. And yeah. it's okay to screw up and take some time to find that out. But once you do, if, if the best advice is, is to, is for somebody to, to kind of pick up on that a lot earlier than maybe you or I did, wow. at least certainly earlier than I did, because it does, it, it accelerates your career if you learn yeah. how to do it right. On the subject of partnerships, you said you're slow to take on partnerships, which I think there's a ton of wisdom in that too, because picking the right partner, um, you know, number one, picking your, your spouse, I think is super important. Yes. Um, and I, I look at you and I see a guy that looks, I don't think you think in short-term vision. And so when you're probably the reason I'm, I'm guessing here, but probably the reason why you're so slow to partner is because you want long lasting relationships. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. There's, you know, short, short dates are no fun. They're painful, painful on the way out. It's much nicer to slowly grow something and know it's always there for you. Yeah. So what wisdom, one of the most powerful things I've gotten a ton from Ken McElroy, but I remember seeing him and Ross McAllister on stage and Ross is Ken's partner. I don't know if you remember yeah, that, I know Ross. Ross. Um, but they did a little presentation together on, you know, what a good partnership looks like. Excellent. Um, what, what's your thoughts on that? Um, you know, it begins with trust and respect. Got to respect their talents, their opinions. You've got to trust that, you know, they're going to do what they do best and they have your best interest and the company's best interests at heart. And, and then you got to communicate. And in fact, that's what, when we sort of decided that he was going to operate and I was going to do some other stuff as I finally came in and said, I'm unhappy, mm -hmm. you know, not with you. I'm just unhappy, you know, sitting in the office doing stuff mm -hmm. just because it was, you know, cause it's nice to have the two principals there. Yeah. He looked at me and he goes, I've been waiting six months for you to come in and do that. So, wow. uh, communication is really helpful. Wow. Uh, that's when things got a lot nicer. He and I were great, but I was unhappy mm -hmm. and, uh, he knew it. And so. I think, you know, what everything, marriage, partnerships, everything works better with communication, mm -hmm. nice, honest, open communication. Uh, you'll find that it's never as bad as you think it's going to be when you, when you open up and tell them how you're really feeling and things usually come out better. Wow. That's amazing. So I have another question and um, I, I'd love to get just your, again, two cents on this. So a lot of, you know, whether it was picking up the book and, and, and following through with rich dad, poor dad, or, or meeting your partner being on stage. Um, I think a lot of people, so I don't believe in a lot of random events, right? I don't think everything's necessarily meant to be. Um, but at the same time, like you put yourself in a lot of places where you were just out there and you know, this couple came up, talked to you, Hey, we're moving to Austin. I think we have a lot of these little opportunities in our life that people don't recognize. And it sounds to me like, you know, you could have read that book and let that book change your life. But what you did is you called the number because you wanted more copies of that book. Why? Why? Yeah, I just, I don't know. I just couldn't. Well, for that particular thing, that wasn't something that, that could be isolated. That needed to be shared. Mm -hmm. So I had to, had to figure out it because I had people that I knew. Well, I only bought another 23 books. Yeah. So there were more people that needed that. Mm -hmm. So um, I, I see, I think. You know, I think there's luck and I think there's, you know, uh, or, or there's, or there's, there's the prepared mind or the curious mind. Yeah. And like you said, I think we set ourselves up for, for having these things. If we have an open mind, that's, that's ready to recognize something, uh, it helps us move forward. But yeah, as far as the book thing, it just, 
It just wasn't right to let that sit. It was yeah. too good. And yeah. it's, uh, I'd never read a book and said, this thing's awesome. You've got to hear it. It just happened to be that particular mm -hmm. book. And maybe it's where my mind was at the time. Yeah. Because I was in a growth mindset and it just, it helped me understand terms that I didn't realize existed. That's where I learned the term passive income. And that's what really kind of crystallized what I was doing. I sort of knew in a, in a fuzzy manner what I was doing. But once I saw some diagrams inside that book, I knew exactly what I was going to do. Well, you said one of the things that um, has had the greatest impact on your success is persistence. Yeah. Um, and like, so even that, like, number one, I think you're a very benevolent giving person. You want the best for humanity. And so everybody needs to have this book. I yeah. think that that's probably, but the thing is, is you did more than most people would do. You chased down the publisher, you found the phone number and that led to something amazing an amazing relationship with yeah. an amazing human um, that opened up. If you had never done that, you would not know your current partner potentially. That's, that's correct. There's no telling where the, where the track would have gone. Yeah. And so that's what I was really like, you know, I think a lot of people sit on their couch and they just think about, you know, how bad life's been to them and how sad their life is and that, you know, nothing's gone right for them, but you, you're out there just making stuff happen. And I think it's that, it's that core thing of persistence. And, and I, number one, appreciate that in you, but also I wanted to point it out because, um, you know, some of it is luck. Sure. But, and some of it is experience and, and some of it is you putting yourself out there and, and being in the places where opportunity exists. Yeah, there's true. And there's a chapter in the book called get in the game. Nice. I mean, you're not going to, you're not going to get anything done if you're not in the game. Cool. So sitting in the stands, you get nowhere. That's very cool. Well, what else do you want to talk about? Man, uh, anything we can talk about what we've been learning. I, you know, what, what would you like to know? You know, family, yeah. family, got yeah. a wonderful family. I've got a wife of 36 years and two older kids that have great relationships with, and they're both in town. I get to see them and that's yeah. important. That's important to me. Yeah. Well, and I think on that note, that's one of the things that I've really appreciated. You have a lot of things going on and we talked about business and investing and knowledge and writing a book and all these things that you are. Yeah. Um, but I know just being around you and the way you talk about your wife and your family, um, I know that's the most important thing to you. So give us, give us some, give us some, uh, marriage advice. Oh boy. Um, <laughs> well, it was like a, like a, a fellow that worked for me one time. He laid and he was newly married. He looked at me and he said, Dr. Burns, he said, are you always wrong? I said, of course. <laughs> so anyway, no, that's not real marriage advice. <laughs> I love it. It's, uh, it goes back to communication again. Um, uh, and, 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 let me see. I don't know if I want to use the word persistence or compromise. You know, marriage is marriage is really cool and it's fun and it's exciting when it gets start it gets started. Just like love, you know, love is one thing, and you know, love and lust are different things. But you know, marriage really starts to it, it starts to mature and age and sweeten and get nicer as you turn it into a partnership where you're both using each other's strengths to build a better one than the two of you were apart. So. Uh, you know, I, I, and I told you at lunch, I, I'm here by, I don't, I don't really have any ties at home, but I'm missing my wife already. Yeah. And she's not expecting me back, but I, I may go back a day early just yeah. cause yeah. I love hanging out with you, but I yeah. love her. Yeah. <laughs> she's probably a lot cuter than I am too. <laughs> she is just a touch. <laughs> yeah. I love it. And, and how about parenting advice? Cause you've, you've raised some great kids. I have never met them, but the way you talk about them and the things they're doing. Is Ooh, great. Um, yeah. And you know, I can tell, and my kids are great. I love them both. And we, we really did. We have great, we never went through that. I hate you phase, or at least as far as they didn't tell me. Um, <laughs> so, you know, we've always been respectful of the kids. Um, I will say, and I'm going to say this transparently because I told somebody the other night, we, you know, I came, my father was a police officer. My, my wife's father was like a machinist. So we were kind of, kind of middle, middle-class uh, upbringing. And so I made some money as a doctor mm -hmm. and we sometimes, we sometimes believe that maybe we, we gave him a few more things and maybe we, cause we didn't have those as a kid Yeah, and they're great kids. They're strong kids. They've, they've finally overcome that, but it, it took their will to overcome some of that, uh, being given some things. I think it's good to have your kids work for stuff. I yeah. think if they want something, um, and it's not a birthday and not on the list to go on a birthday or something, you know, find them a way to earn it. Sure. And, um, and I say that because um, we did that some, but didn't do it as well. And that's, you know, I'm just being honest. Yeah. So you said something in the champions meeting the other day about um, the syndrome. I wrote down the notes and a successful dad syndrome. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's, you know, we ended up living in a really, really nice neighbor. We went, we went to this neighborhood. It was in my hometown of Austin 
but and I basically polled all my patients while I was a doctor where the best schools were and I wanted my kids to go to a public school to get that broader education but I wanted them to get a good education and this particular school district got just high marks from everybody so when it was time for us to move we just knew we were moving into that district so we moved in there and and so a lot of other people moved there some pretty wealthy folks and some some successful folks and you start noticing that sometimes you know some parents will say you know you're going to be a lawyer you're going to be a doctor you're going to follow daddy's footsteps and it's okay and it works for some and others get choices but we don't realize as parents that we model the whole time we're always modeling uh, we heard that in a video we don't teach we model so they see you being successful but they don't kind of understand what it takes or that you love what you do and they may not love real estate or business or medicine or whatever but they feel like they have to or they feel like the measuring stick is the same one that they're using for you mm. and they can get a lot of anxiety they can think that they have to do not not necessarily what daddy or mommy does but they have to be that successful and they don't they need to sort of understand that success is you know is is a lot of things other yeah. than money and a lot of things other than titles yeah. and if you don't actually kind of take the time to understand because they're not going to ask you because mm. they because They've never been through this before. They're just watching. They're not going to ask you. Say, you know, you, you know, don't tell them they do whatever they want. But you tell them, you know, you you don't have to do what I do. Yeah, uh, success is a lot of things, and I mention that because it it goes anywhere from a little anxiety all the way up to you know committing suicide. There's yeah. twenty to twenty five year old kids, and so it's kind of a real thing, and and something you need to be cognizant of as a, as a parent. Wow. Yeah, that's valuable sage advice well um yeah i really appreciate your time and all the wisdom and it's been a great conversation um what's the best way for people to find you so um got a website it's called richdoctor.com and if you want to send an email to me just send an email to hello at richdoctor.com and i'll get it and be happy to communicate i love it if you text the word rich doctor to 480-531-7159 I'll send a free copy of Dr. Tom's book to the first 10 people that text me that. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah. Well, I appreciate your time and the wisdom and, and just your generosity as always. Mike, I could talk to you all day. Yeah. Well, <laughs> and we probably it. will when this yeah, is over. Totally. All right, man. Well, thank you, sir. Thank you. If you found value in this episode and you know someone who's wanting to start or move further along in their journey toward investing for freedom, I would be forever grateful if you would share this show with them and help me get this message out to more listeners. Also, if you enjoy what you've heard, I would appreciate it if you take 30 seconds and leave me a five-star review and share this with your friends. And until the next episode, cheers to moving further along in your journey of investing for freedom.